We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, Packer friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Of course, make sure to subscribe. Not going to do my normal quick hits episode following today's practice. Instead, I'm going to give you the full practice breakdown and everything that I saw. I have another episode planned for you tomorrow morning that you're going to want to check out, but I figured I would just give you the whole details of everything that I saw at practice today in this episode. So let's jump in right away. Now, before we get to the actual practice portion, Matt LaFleur, of course, did speak ahead of time. And one of the things I wanted to ask him, remember Sean Clifford yesterday had another great two-minute drill. I think that's his fourth successfully completed two-minute drill, at least even in like the last like week and a half. Like He's been really, really good at it. I wanted to ask him, him about his ability in the two-minute drill, which he responded to and said, it's just kind of part of his DNA as a quarterback and things like that. But more importantly, I wanted to ask him, is he officially the number two quarterback? And I think it's been blatantly clear and obvious that he's the number two, right? There's no question about that. But I wanted to ask him, like, is it official? Is he going to be your backup going into the season? Because part of me is just like, you never know how he's going to respond. It could have been the old, you know, punt on the question and just say, you know, we're always competing, which by the way, he did with the safety group. And what we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But this was very clear. Sean Clifford is the number two quarterback. He has won the backup job. Like I said, I think that's mostly clear and obvious, but Alex Magoo now competing for number three slash practice squad. It will be Jordan Love as your starter, Sean Clifford as the two, and then we will go from there. Meanwhile, he was also asked about the tight end group and you know if they needed more than three tight ends and that sort of thing. 
And he, first of all, shouted out his wide receiver room and said, we've got a lot of depth there, which will allow us to do some different things. But he also talked about something that I have talked about on numerous times in the past and that in the past, they have used some offensive linemen as another tight end, a sixth offensive lineman. And he mentioned that in his press conference today. Now you'll remember the old Kevin Barry, you bacon from back in the day, but when they last did it, it was in 2020 when Mercedes Lewis, uh, and they may have done it in some goal line situations since then, but when specifically they needed to use it was when Mercedes Lewis was out in 2020. And in that situation, they used Rick Wagner as a sixth offensive lineman. And it's you know interesting that he brought it up sort of unprompted. I was actually going to ask him about this earlier in camp. And I'm like, he's he in the past, he's thrown out of like, hey, do you want me to give you the game plan sort of answer? And he's done that to multiple people. So I didn't even go there, but he brought it up unprompted that they can go with a sixth offensive lineman if they don't have that blocking tight end. So I think that is something, especially the fact that he brought it up unprompted, that you will see this upcoming season. Sign me up for a Caleb Jones as a sixth offensive lineman, as I've talked about before, and moving some people. There's the play, if you remember, uh, with Trent Williams. Now, I'm not comparing Caleb Jones to Trent Williams. They are a undrafted free agent and arguably the greatest left tackle in the last decade, you know, but there's the the plays where San Francisco's used Trent Williams as the sixth offensive lineman and put him in motion. And as he's coming back down the line in motion, Trent Williams just start up field and just start wrecking people. So I could see Caleb Jones maybe being used a little bit in that six tight end role, of course, He's going to have to make the team first, which is no guarantee at this point in time. But I do think we are going to see some six offensive linemen and basically using, you know, an offensive tackle or an, a different position, like guard center, whatever, in specifically in that Mercedes Lewis role. And let's be real, right? Mercedes Lewis was a sixth offensive lineman. Yes, you could catch some teams by surprise and actually throw him the football from time to time and maybe a tight end screen, maybe in the red zone. You could probably do that with Yash Nyman or Zach Tom or another player. I don't know about Caleb Jones, but you could probably use utilize a you know tackle eligible in almost the exact same way, right? So we'll see if it actually comes to fruition, but I do think we're going to see that at some point this season. He was also asked if he knows who his starting safety is going to be opposite Darnell Savage. He said, yes, he has a really good feel for who that's going to be. It's really hard for me to imagine at this point that that is anyone besides Rudy Ford. And I know that they've been rotating those guys and it could be anyone at any time, etc. Jonathan Owens has just not been very good if we're being totally honest. And Rudy Ford, now that he feels like he knows who the safety is, as he mentioned today, has been in as with the starting safety all this week. So it just it just feels like Rudy Ford is going to be the guy opposite of Darnell Savage. They gave Tavarius Moore some time. He is still out with injury. They, you know, they clearly gave Jonathan Owens some time. I don't think Anthony Johnson Jr. or Dallin Levitt were ever really in that conversation. So if I were a betting man today, I would say Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford are going to be your starting safeties. Now, he did say, you know, as I sort of hinted to and alluded to earlier, there's always competition and anyone's going to be gunning for that spot at any time. But, and he didn't say Rudy Ford, he didn't say who that safety is going to be. But I have a feeling that that is at this point is probably Rudy Ford, and that's who's going to be next to Darnell Savage week one against Chicago, barring a trade. Now, not Matt LaFleur related, but sort of safety related. There was a trade on Thursday that sent Isaiah Simmons to the New York Giants for a seventh round draft pick. It's I know Simmons has been playing, well, he played linebacker in the past or sort of a hybrid sort of linebacker safety role. I know they were planning on using him more at safety and he's been practicing that safety this offseason. I have no idea from a Giants standpoint where they plan to use him, but I think Simmons would kind of like to be at safety. 
So immediately, I saw a lot of tweets out there of like, why would Green Bay not do this? A seventh round pick for a former, I think, obviously first rounder, but I think top 10 pick in Isaiah Simmons. And like, why would you not take a flyer on that guy and plug him in at safety and see if he can be the guy next to Darnell Savage? It just makes far too much sense, right? A former top 10 pick that you can get for a seventh rounder and plug in in a room that has zero safeties already, like do it. Why would you not do it? There's decent reasons why you wouldn't do it. The first thing I will tell you wholeheartedly is that if all a player goes for is a seventh round pick from a you know New York Giants team, which is like a middle seventh round pick, there clearly and obviously was not a lot of interest in Isaiah Simmons from the rest of the NFL. All right. It's just as simple as that. If teams thought that he was a winning caliber football player that was going to be a value add to their team, they're going to give up a fourth round pick, fifth round pick, sixth round pick, anything, right? So the fact that he got a middle seventh round pick in return goes to show you what the rest of the NFL feels about Isaiah Simmons. Now, that doesn't mean that this can't be a change of scenery that goes well. In fact, Green Bay has done really well with some Arizona Cardinal change of scenery players, including Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas. So this could have potentially been another one of those. And I wouldn't have hated if Green Bay would have picked him up and taken a flyer on him. But here's the thing, and here's why he didn't go for more than a seventh round pick. A, he hasn't been that good. B, I think he's just a linebacker. I don't think he's ultimately a safety. I think you're going to ultimately have to play him at linebacker eventually. C, you are bringing him in at the very last part of training camp. He's now going to have to learn a new system, potentially learn a new position. Like you're you're probably not going to get full value for him on this season just because this is going to be a little bit of a transition for him as he comes into a new team. Next, and maybe most importantly, is that he's on a $3.4 million deal. Like you, you know, that is a, and it it isn't guaranteed. So you can, uh, actually, I don't, don't quote me on that. There may be portions of that that are guaranteed, but even still, if you're trading for him, obviously you're going to keep him. So it doesn't matter if it's guaranteed or not, but either way, $3.4 million. And that is a decent chunk of change for a player that you're bringing in at this point in time that clearly, again, the rest of the NFL doesn't view as an impact player and that you're going to have to just hope that he puts it together and the change of scenery ultimately changes who he is as a player. And then the last thing here is it's a little bit different too if you've got like more than one year on the deal, right? So if you're taking a flyer on Isaiah Simmons on a one year, like on a $3.4 million deal, but let's say he's under contract next year for 5 million. Now, at least I have like, if, if he does hit and if he does play very well, now I've got another year out of him, right? He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So even if he plays great, which would be good, that there's never a bad thing if a player plays well, right? But even if he does, now you got to pay him a ton of money to keep him around. So it's not like you have that player option or another year on the contract where even if he does play well, you have him on the cheap next year, right? So you could go into this season if you're Green Bay and he could play well and he's probably not going to change your win total all that much. It's not like Isaiah Simmons is going to be the guy that puts you over the top. And now all of a sudden you were the one who developed him and got him to play well. And now he's just going to go for another team. And yes, you could potentially get a comp pick back in return. That's better than that seventh round pick. That's well within the you know realm of possibility, but you could go out and sign players too next off season and it would just cancel it out. So Uh, To me, it makes a lot of sense why Green Bay wouldn't. Their salary cap too is going to have to pay for a lot of players who, um, you know, they end up having to put on the injured list and a practice squad and everything else. So they do have some money. They probably could have made it work, but it starts getting a little bit tight if you add that $3.4 million contract to the roster at this point. I, I don't see it for Green Bay and it's clearly why they didn't do it. 
interesting. It would be an interesting conversation if the Giants and Packers both offered a seventh round pick to Arizona, which one they'd rather have. I think Green, like they're both, I think, in similar spots as as regards to like win totals for this upcoming season from a Vegas standpoint. But yeah, not sure which one they would have accepted. But either way, I actually do think it makes sense that Green Bay did not go in that direction. It's hard when they don't have a good safety room already and you want to add any talent in there. But like I said, I just think he's ultimately a linebacker. So I I totally understand why they didn't go in that direction. Meanwhile, all right, let's actually talk about practice. First of all, injury updates. David Bakhtiari returned and did practice, including in team activities. So that was a great sign again. Jason Luan returned from injury. Darnell Savage returned from injury after, you know, going down and not returning yesterday. And then same with Devontae Wyatt. As I mentioned, Devontae seemed to be a more heat and, you know, whatever sort of issue yesterday, he was back practicing on Thursday. So Bakhtiari, Luan, Savage, and Wyatt all returned. Players not practicing. Anthony Johnson Jr. did not practice. He dropped out yesterday. It was reported by Packers PR that this is a minor knee injury. So nothing to be concerned about. Hopefully should be back sooner rather than later. You would love to see him play in the preseason game, but if he didn't practice today, I'm assuming he's probably going to be out on Saturday, but we will see if he's able to get out there in any capacity, but it doesn't sound like it's anything long-term. Dontavian Wicks, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, Eric Stokes, Tavarius Moore, Luke Tenuta, Devondre Campbell, Bo Melton, and Henry Pearson were the other players that did not practice on this particular day. Uh, Let's go over starters. Your starters on offense, Jordan Love at quarterback, A.J. Dillon at running back, Samori Toure and Malik Heath at wide receiver. I think this is more of a, let's just get a really good look at these guys with the ones. And we did see Toure and Heath play a decent amount with the ones. And I think that's probably more like we need to like potentially make some roster decisions here and we need to get as good of a look at these guys as we possibly can. Don't know for sure, but it was Toure and Heath starting at wide receiver. Luke Musgrave at tight end, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield, Bakhtiari left tackle, Elton Jenkins left guard, Josh Meyer center, John Runyon Jr. right guard, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. Meanwhile, on the defensive side, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith at edge, TJ Slayton, Kenny Clark at defensive line, Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie at inside linebacker, Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander outside at corner, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, and then Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford as your starting safeties. Now, uh, I think earlier this week, actually, as I finished up my film review, I tweeted out and I said, one thing I would really like to see this week is David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Zach Tom at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and Rashid Walker at right tackle. Lo and behold, there's a red zone portion of practice. Who are the five offensive linemen in that group? Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Tom at center, Runyon, and Rashid Walker at right tackle. The rest of the team drills, both before and after that, were all your normal Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Zach, Tom. If I were betting a lot of money, I would still say Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom is your opening day starting lineup. But I do think that's a really interesting option for Green Bay with Zach, Tom at center, Rasheed Walker at right tackle. Don't think they'll go with it yet. But it has, it just is another step really in the Rashid Walker progression and really looks like he is ahead of Yash and Iman at this point. We'll see. Nothing set in stone, but that does seem to be the case through the course of the last like week and a half of practices and preseason games. Meanwhile, your second team offensive line, Rashid Walker at left tackle, Sean Ryan at left guard, James Empey at center, Royce Newman at right guard, and Yash Nyman at right tackle. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Love's day really quick. Some of the, the throws that he made through the course of the day, 
on one of the very first red zone type drills. This was technically, I think, around like the 25-yard line. He did a great job of buying time, rolling to his right, and ultimately finding A.J. Dillon for a touchdown pass down the field. That was a really nice play by him. He then, I think they ran one of those like deep crossers. I don't know if it was like the crossing ones again. They did run that in uh, in some of the individual drills that they were doing. But uh, Watson just completely outran Corey Ballantyne to the corner of the end zone. Love got it to him easily and it was pretty easy pitch and catch for a touchdown on that play. He also had a back shoulder play in the far corner of the end zone to Christian Watson. Now, the ball was really good. I don't know if it was a touchdown and a catch or not. Christian Watson going like this, saying for sure he caught it. Everyone on the defense, both on the side of the field and that was in the uh, actually in on the play, everyone's waving incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. Didn't see what the referee ultimately uh, you know decided upon. Will be one of those beautiful mysteries forever. But it doesn't really matter from a Jordan Love standpoint because he gave a really nice ball on a back shoulder to Christian Watson. Watson had his hands on it. Just don't know what happened at the end. Everything was like muddled. You couldn't really see what happened. Then he hit a Jaden Reed touchdown where Keyshawn Nixon had fallen down on the play and Reed was able to uh, get pretty open again, another pretty easy pitch and catch for Jordan. And then he threw a, a pretty you know decent bullet to Jaden Reed, who on this play was very contested by Keyshawn Nixon. Nixon was trying to bat it out, but... Uh We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Really nice job by Jane Reed coming back to the ball, catching it, and then getting the ball stretched across the goal line. So a lot of touchdowns. They did a lot of red zone work on this day. So if you're thinking like, man, Jordan Love is just driving him down for touchdown after touchdown. That was a lot of red zone work, but still you love to see what five touchdowns right there. And there may have been some other ones as well, but I thought overall... There was one play that could have potentially resulted in an interception. He led Luke Musgrave a little bit too far in advance and Musgrave sort of like tried to one-hand it and bobbled it up. And then when he bobbled it up, he couldn't get to it. And then I think it was Savage came and he got one hand on it from the other side and he bobbled it up and tried to catch it one-handed. It ultimately resulted in just an incomplete pass. Ball fell harmlessly to the ground. 
that was the, like really the only, I think, kind of egregious, and not even like egregious, but bad throw from Jordan through the day. Just a little bit out in front of Musgrave, tried to one-hand it, ends up being bobbled, almost intercepted, but ultimately incomplete. That was the main takeaways from Jordan's day. Anders Carlson, meanwhile, 33-yard field goal or extra point, whatever you want to deem it as. Good, 42-yarder, good, 44-yarder, good, 45, no good. However, uh, before the actual kick, the play was blown dead. I don't know if it was an offsides or whatever the case may be. Everything was chaotic. So like the, all the whistles were blowing and they completely blew the, the play dead. He kicked it anyway. It did not go in. I would not count that one just because everything was sort of chaotic. And it, it again, the play was called dead before he ever kicked the ball. So we won't count that one. He, they redid that one and the 45 yarder was good. 47 yarder, no good off the left upright. And then a 53 yarder that he absolutely crushed. That's another one that's probably good from like 68 yards. I would say like he got all of that one. Then at the very end of practice, the very last two plays of practice, the whole team gathers around Anders Carlson. Jordan Love is throwing water in front of him. Everyone is trying to distract him. It's a 50-yard field goal with the entire team going nuts. First one is no good. The second one, they do the exact same thing, 50-yarder, and he does hit that one to end practice. So I would say officially six for eight on the day, good from 33, 42, 44, 45, no good from 47 off the left upright, good from 53, then missed from 50 with some chaos and then made from 50 with some chaos. So six for eight, some good stuff, but still like this is the issue, right? Is like, that was one of his better days and he was 75%. So take it for what it's worth, but there was some good stuff from Anders on the day too, but still far from a finished product. Meanwhile, by the way, yeah, Mason Crosby tweeted out that he's ready to kick this season. So do what you want with that. Jaden Reed, another really nice day. He did have a drop on the day that did hit him in the hands that it just ultimately dropped. It was probably like a five-yard completion anyway, not really any harm or fall, but you want to see him catch everything. And he has had some drops or drop issues throughout the course of training camp and practice so far. But he had the touchdown from Love where Keyshawn Nixon fell down, a touchdown with Nixon in tight coverage. He had another nice completion in team activities. And then in situational drills, he made a phenomenal sliding catch. Jaden Reed has been awesome. Yes, he had the drop, but overall, he consistently gets open. He's fast, plays bigger than his size. I don't know what else to say. He's had a really, really, really nice training camp and looks ready to be a major part of this Packers team this regular season. Meanwhile, the guy covering him on a couple of those plays, Keyshawn Nixon, that's at least three times this week where he fell down in coverage. Christian Watson in the red zone and then two times against Jaden Reed where you know he gave up completions because he didn't stay on balance, right? I would say Nixon in coverage has been pretty tough, meaning like it hasn't been great so far in camp. And I think he still has that position on lock, but don't be surprised with the way that Razul is playing on one outside corner. You've got Jair at the other. Don't be surprised if there are a lot of targets in Keyshawn Nixon's vicinity and his play in the slot and how good of a cover corner he could be is going to probably go a long way in determining just how good this defensive backfield, at least at the corner position, right? I don't think anyone's expecting the safety position to be great, but how Keyshawn does in that spot is going to go a long way depending on you know how this defensive backfield plays, in my opinion. It hasn't, there have been moments... I thought he had a really nice preseason game against New England. One of my highest graded players, not a ton of plays, but I thought he graded out really well in that game. But in camp, uh, a little bit more to be desired out of Keyshawn at the actual corner position. Meanwhile, yesterday and, and the day before that, like or at least yesterday, uh, Kiss Bonds was a player that kind of came out of nowhere and had a really big day. Today was Keyshawn Banks. 
he had a really gorgeous pass rush against Elton Jenkins one-on-one where he beat Jenkins clean and got a clean sack, sack in quotes, on Jordan Love. Like, it was a really nice pass rush, one that like opens your eyes a little and goes, huh, I didn't know Keyshawn Banks had that in him. But he beat Elton Jenkins clean and and, in a team activity against the ones, picks up a, a sack against Jordan Love. Later in practice, not not like your maybe your typical pressure, but he had a really nice pass rush set against Zach Tom and really got Zach Tom sort of backed into the quarterback a little bit. I would consider it a pressure. Either way, it was a nice rep from Banks as well. Nice day from Keyshawn Banks, somebody that I would expect to be on that 16-man practice squad once they finalize their roster. Meanwhile, it was a day of trick plays. You saw Aaron Jones on a jet sweep. You had a pop pass jet motion once again off of jet motion to Luke Musgrave. So that's the second time they've put Musgrave in motion in training camp and tossed him the ball and let him go. Uh, They did a speed option with Jordan Love and Aaron Jones to the left. They did a triple option, which ended up with Jordan Love and Christian Watson going to the right. They did a reverse to Romeo Dobbs. So Matt LaFleur was in his bag on offense. My takeaway from it, really nice job by the defense of sticking with almost all of it. I think that the Dobbs you know, reverse went for a handful. I think the Aaron Jones jet sweep went for maybe eight to 10 yards. But overall, like the offense kind of threw the kitchen sink at the defense and the defense responded pretty darn well in knowing exactly what to do with those plays. So nice job, like fun to see from the offense, but really nice job by the defense really containing all of those considering the offense again did kind of throw the kitchen sink at them. As mentioned, there were some drops on the day. Uh, there was a play where Jordan hit Romeo Dobbs right in the hands and Razul came through and knocked the ball out. Now it's a good pass breakup by Razul, but I would like to see you know Romeo kind of come back to it a little bit more, attack the ball and, and make sure that it's not going to be broken up. Jaden Reed had the clean drop, which I mentioned, and then Samore Toure had one where Love hit him down the like the corner of the field, hits him in the hands, and Jonathan Owens came and knocked that ball out. So you'd like to see the receivers sort of pay some of those throws off. Those should have been three completions for Jordan Love that ended up in three incompletions. So if you read the stats on the day, whatever he ends up being, just know that Love probably should have had three more completions if his receivers help him out. Meanwhile, he threw a very contested pass to Malik Heath right after those drops. Malik Heath plucks it out of the air. Defender tries to knock it out. Malik Heath had none of it. Strong hands, possessed the catch, got upfield. Nice play and Malik Heath continues to impress. Some other notes, I thought Devontae Wyatt and Rashawn Gary had a nice practice getting some pressures. Now, one of those pressures for Rashawn Gary, which would have been a very clean sack, was one-on-one with Luke Musgrave. And listen, blocking Rashawn Gary one-on-one with Luke Musgrave, a rookie tight end who's not known for his blocking, is definitely a choice. Rashawn Gary made quick work of Luke Musgrave and got in there for a sack. Jada Kispans had a really nice reception on the slant route. I've seen enough out of Jada Kiss now that I, like he probably needs to be on the practice squad. This is a player who earlier in, in OTAs and minicamps, I thought was like the 90th player on the team. I, I, he was dropping passes, just didn't look the part at all. He has taken a significant step from that point until now. He looks like a totally different player. He's got great size. He's plucking the ball out of the air. You've had some 80 and 90 yard touchdowns. Like he has done some really, really good stuff. And the flashes have been really impressive. 53-man roster guy, no, but I would lock him up on the practice squad and make sure that he does not go to another team and make him a priority if I were Green Bay because the flashes have been really, really fun out of bonds this week. Meanwhile, a very tough drop for Tucker Kraft. Sean Clifford had Kraft running open in the end zone and Kraft did a nice job getting open. 
but completely misjudged it. Not only did he drop it, the ball went off of his face mask and fell incomplete. So not sure what happened there for Tucker Craft, but one he not only needs to come down with and make a nice touchdown reception, it certainly can't hit you in the face mask and fall incomplete. Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden had another nice day getting in the backfield. Brooks with a sack, Colby Wooden with a pressure. Those two have shown up all throughout training camp and practices, preseason games, etc. And then we also saw an AJ Dillon touchdown run. Nice run by Dillon, probably a, a 10-yard touchdown run. But the reason I wanted to bring it up, blocking on that play in front of him, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. Runs to the left and Jenkins and Bakhtiari both had phenomenal blocks easy hole for Dylan, touchdown. And that's what the you know hope is, is that if Bakhtiari and Jenkins can stay healthy, they can be a huge part of this offense blocking on that left side, both on Jordan's blind side and then for the running backs, Jones, Dylan, etc. So really nice run blocking there from Bakhtiari and Jenkins, which I think everyone's hoping they can reestablish themselves as the best left side of any offensive line in all of football. Those are all my news and notes and really everything that I saw at practice from Thursday. That is going to do it for me today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be going over a little bit of maybe some potential uh, you know, surprise roster cuts and who could be in that conversation as we start ramping up towards 53-man roster final projections. Of course, we've got Packers Seahawks coming up, so we'll have a preview coming up on that as well. Make sure to subscribe. As I mentioned, if you have not already, also hit that notification so you can be the first to know when a new episode comes out. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Paco. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.